Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Seasoned Crime. I am so happy to be back. I took last week off as a self-care birthday gift to myself, and I enjoyed every bit of it, but now I am so ready to get back into things. If you're listening to this podcast, you came here to hear a story about a minority. My name is Jasmine Nicole, and I come here weekly to tell you a true crime story that will highlight a minority. True crime has no boundaries, and it happens in all races, religions, countries, sexual orientations, all of that, yet only select parts of those groups get the recognition that they deserve. I want to give the groups that are normally in the shadows the acknowledgement that they deserve. Today's highlight is going to take us to the state of Missouri. So I'd sat down to start looking into where I wanted to go next after all of those killer kids stories that I told previously. And as I was thinking about it, one of my best friends texted me a link to this story. And I started digging into it and I just could not believe what I was reading. Not only is the story itself crazy, but it just happened a few months ago. Shout out to you, Madison, for giving me this real-time story that I had no idea about. A current day serial killer who was caught because he wore the same shoes and used the same gun in all eight, that's right, eight victims. Today, I am going to tell you about Perez Reed. As much as I rep so hard for the Scorpio gang, I hate to say it, but Perez, he did get mixed up into that Scorpio group. When he committed his crimes, he was 25, but as of November 10th of this year, he is now 26. Perez grew up in St. Louis County, the city of Belafonte neighbors in Missouri to be exact. At the age of eight, Perez moved in with his cousin turned legal guardian. His parents were, they were not only unfit, but they were also unable to properly care for a child. So his cousin took custody. In 2019, Perez married Anissa Alder. I don't know too many details about their relationship, but I do know that in the same year they got married, Anissa was sued by her landlord because he found out that Perez was living there, yet Perez was not approved to be doing so per the leasing agreement. The case was later dismissed, but just as fast as the lawsuit came and went, so did their marriage. It was short-lived, and she filed for divorce July of this year. Even without the failed marriage and the lawsuit that he caused Anissa, Perez had his own set of individual issues. In 2016, Perez was linked to an arson attempt, but it ended up being dismissed after nearly three years due to failure to prosecute. There was an apartment building set on fire with tenants inside. Then, in 2019, his legal issues continued. He got on a metro train without a ticket, and there was some kind of activity that occurred, and that activity led to two misdemeanor cases being filed and the cops being called. When the cops arrived, Perez gave false identifying information, and once they were able to determine Perez's real identity, they arrested him due to having warrants attached to his name already. September 12, 2021 is when Perez's shooting spree started. On this day, a victim, only identified by the initials LM, was waiting at a bus stop in St. Louis County. Perez came up to the man and shot him multiple times, just like that, for what is believed to be no reason at all. LM did not die. However, 
He was left with multiple injuries and is permanently disabled now. The very next day, it is believed that Perez shot and this time killed 16-year-old Marnay Haynes. This victim was found due to a special gunfire locator that is set up throughout St. Louis County called Shot Spotter. So Shot Spotter, it holds up exactly to its name. It is a system that the St. Louis County uses to help police the city. It has microphones placed all around the city, and if the sound of gunfire is picked up, it alerts law enforcement and allows them to go to the direct location of where the sound came from. Perez's third victim was on September 16th. This woman, identified as R.H., was found by police at a gas station. R.H. was shot in the face, but she survived. She managed to flee from the scene of the shooting and get to a gas station to seek help. Her injuries were so severe, she couldn't explain any of this to the cops when they arrived, but they were able to follow a blood trail that was left by R.H. to get to the location of the shooting. On the same day as the shooting of R.H., a woman was found dead lying in the street. 49-year-old Pamela Abercrombie was found about a half mile from where R.H. was believed to have been, and this shooting has since been linked to Perez's death due to similar evidence as other killings. At this point, this is where police were starting to recognize some similarities, and St. Louis Metro PD issued out a public safety warning advising that sex workers were being targeted by an unknown male. The safety alert did not stop Perez at all. His next victim was found a few days later on September 19th. 24-year-old Carrie Ross was found lying down dead in a vacant lot. Based on the dried blood at the scene, it determined that Carrie had been there for at least a day prior to him being found. The cops pulled the records on the shot spotter and they found that it detected gunshots in that location around 11.52 p.m. on September 12th. Shot Spotter picked up the shooting for Lester Robinson, who was the sixth victim of Perez. On September 26th, Lester was found dead after being shot in the head and the hand. As of now, all six victims have been shot in St. Louis County, but for his final two victims, Perez traveled to Kansas City. On October 28th, at 9.40 p.m., Perez arrived in Kansas City by way of the Amtrak train. At 11.15 that same evening, Perez can be seen on a security camera entering the apartment complex where 35-year-old Damon Irwin lived, and Perez was picked up on a camera exiting the apartment alone around 6 a.m. the following morning. Damon was found dead in his apartment on November 1st. October 29th, the day after he went to Damon's apartment, he entered the apartment of another tenant at the same apartment complex. Perez was seen entering the apartment of Rao Deja Farrow around 7 p.m. that day, and he can be seen on security camera leaving the unit about 15 minutes later. Rao Deja's nude body was found in her apartment on November 2nd. She was deceased. This apartment complex not only had security cameras, but it also required everyone that entered that property to provide their ID. The complex was able to provide the cops with the ID of Perez, as well as the security footage. On the security footage, police were positive that this was Perez due to a crescent-shaped tattoo on his forehead that is clearly visible in the footage. 
With the Kansas City murders happening in the same complex, cops looked for any similarities that they were able to find, and they were able to determine that Perez wore the same shoes to both murders, which was another confirming factor that he was involved in both of the killings. Based on that information, they decided to take a look at phone records in the area and see if they were able to find any connections based on the locations. When they located the matching phone number, they were able to trace that phone and locate an Amtrak ticket that was attached to that phone number. So police met that train and, as expected, Perez was on the train. They didn't pick him up right away, though. Undercovers followed him off of that train. Perez was going to get on a bus, and it was then that they arrested him on November 5th. When Perez was arrested, he had on him a train ticket that showed him coming from St. Louis to Kansas City, and he also had on him a 40 caliber semi-automatic Smith & Wesson. Police had determined that all of the victims that were shot were shot by the same 40 caliber gun, and matching shell casings had been found at the scene of one of the shootings. Cops say that when they interrogated Perez, he answered their questions. However, he denied hurting anyone. Perez admitted to being in the apartment complex and giving his ID to the security officer since it was mandatory for entrance. He also admitted to knowing the final victim, Rhodesia. According to Perez, she sold him drugs and he bought from her. That is likely to be true. Phone records show that Perez called Rodasia's phone 652 times between October 5th through the 29th. It is not yet known of the exact reason for the extensive number of calls, but I just get the feeling that these calls weren't related to buying drugs, not all 652 of them. So far, Perez has been charged with two counts of murder, three counts of criminal action, and interstate transportation of a firearm with intent to commit a felony. There is still no motive that has been proven, and the cops are not willing to speculate on one either in order to maintain the integrity of the investigation. Most of the victims were sex workers and or transgender, but it can't be said for sure if they were targeted due to that. The thought is that all of the victims, with the exception of Rhodesia, were victims of opportunity, and that Perez didn't know any of them. Serial murder is defined as the killing of two or more victims by the same person or people in separate events. Even though serial killers are common in true crime shows, in real life, according to the FBI, they are extremely rare and only account for 1% of all murders each year. As far as police knew, there's no other victims, but they are not going to stop looking. St. Louis County Police Lieutenant Craig Longworth said, quote, We're not done with this by any means. In a court hearing, Perez said he completely understood all of the charges against him, but he also made mention of taking an antipsychotic drug called Haldol. He's not currently on it, and it is not yet known why he came off of it. Perez is currently scheduled to be back in court on November 22nd. As of yet, he has not entered a plea deal. Anytime I listen to a crime story, in my head, I'm always trying to figure out a why. 
This case is so crazy for me because at least six of the eight victims were completely random. I mean, these were people living their life, doing whatever it is that they were doing, minding their own business. And here comes Perez who just shoots them. I'm sure that as this case goes on, we're going to get some more answers, but there's also a very strong possibility that Perez doesn't talk. This could be it. That these people were just victims of opportunity. And that to me is the worst kind of crime. To think that you could be standing there waiting on a bus and someone could just come and shoot you as they're walking by just because. The world is already scary enough, but people like this just make it so much worse. Thank you again, Madison, for sending this story to me. If you have any other story suggestions, feel free to send them my way. You can reach me on the Seasoned Crime Instagram page and also by email at seasonedcrime at gmail.com. Make sure to follow, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast app. Thanks for listening for another week. Have a good one, everyone. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Season Crime. Today's episode was researched, edited, and recorded by your host, Jasmine Nicole.